don't let anyone ever tell you the Bible is a boring book. Right when you think you know where things are headed, something might happen. <laughs> There's a twist in the plot. Genesis chapter 16. We need to jump right in. We've got to cover a lot fast. Look at verse 1 with me in Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Now we keep coming back in the story to the barrenness of Sarai. She has never given birth, and she's now old enough that it's impossible. But God has promised, and with God, nothing is impossible. In fact, you know, that, that's a great position to be in, to find yourself in a place where you're in an impossible situation only God can resolve, because at that point, you get to see the miraculous hand of God but we don't usually see our difficulties in that light, do we? We might need a change of perspective. It's a good place to be in an impossible situation. Well, it tells us here that she has a female servant, a female Egyptian servant. Uh, this is one of many, but probably a chief servant who took care of the, the household, a lot of tasks uh, around the household, managing the household. It's possibly she was born into the household. And by the way, when I say household, you recognize I mean the entire entourage, not just immediate family. It's possible she was born, but more likely that Hagar was a gift from Pharaoh to Abram. You remember when they were in Egypt and he was hoping to marry Sarai and he gave all those gifts to Abram. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't heard the story before or don't know the story, Hagar is going to be at the center of some great dysfunction that is still going on today. And I said that to say this, for what it's worth, Abram acquired Hagar when he went to a place where God had not sent him. God didn't send Abram to Egypt, and that was the place that he went of his own decision, and that's where he acquired Hagar. Look in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 16. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. You parents are certainly glad that ESD is G-rated. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai, so after Abram had lived, 10 years in the land of Canaan, he's 85 now, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Wait, what? What in the world? You know, you see a lot of polygamy in the Old Testament, but that was not God's design. That's not suggesting that God condone a man having multiple wives. It was customary in this time for a man to have multiple wives. It was customary for a woman who was childless to give her servant to her husband to bear children for her. But we need to be really careful of what is customary. We need to be really careful of societal norms. Scripture always takes precedence over societal customs and norms. Remember that. God's intent has always been one man, one woman for life. One husband, one wife, same husband, same wife for life. That's the way that God designed it. Well, Sarah and Abram come up with this plan, and this plan came about because, once again, as we've seen before in this journey of faith, they didn't seek the counsel of the Lord. It seems that Abram is a, is a slow learner. He's already had an experience where he saw what happens when you don't seek the counsel of the Lord. He, he's been reminded by God, we just saw this last week, that the fulfillment of the promise, the fulfillment of the covenant is dependent on God alone. But Abram falters in his faith, and because they weren't seeing enough evidence of progress, Sarai and Abram decided they needed to help God, and this scheme 
has caused nothing but trouble for all of history. Uh, I don't want to overstate it, but the descendants of Ishmael have been and continue to be at odds with the descendants of Isaac even to this day. Abram and Sarai ran ahead of God and they ran amok. I, I love the word amok. It's kind of kind of pictures what happened, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're near ankle deep in, in sticky, slimy mud. It is a mess that they have made. Abram's union with Hagar violated God's created order and God's design. It was sin. Consider also this. We read that Hagar was an Egyptian. In Scripture, Egypt typically represents the world or worldly ways, or the world's way of doing things. And so Abram's relationship with Hagar is a picture of compromise. It's a picture of, of attempting to mix the things of God with the things of the world. It's a picture of attempting to accomplish the plans of God with the ways of the world. And I can tell you unequivocally, certainly, that is not how God was going to send the child of promise. You know, the last several weeks as I read and reread this text, I had a bit of deja vu. I found myself back in the garden you know, when this, when this arrangement that, that, Ab, that, that had uh, been made by Sarah and Abram, when that blew up, Abram probably thought what Adam said. It was the woman. Right? This was Sarah's idea. It was her scheme. It was her ridiculous suggestion. Well, let's go, let's go back to the garden for a moment and, and briefly compare these two events. What do we know from the garden in Genesis 3? We know that Eve, Scripture tells us, Eve was deceived by the serpent. The serpent led her, Satan led her to doubt God's love and care for her. He tried to confuse her as to what God had said, and he ultimately just completely contradicted the words of God. And when Eve was being deceived, when she took of the fruit, the Scripture tells us Adam was there with her. Adam, not Eve, had been given the command by God. Adam was the head. Adam was the leader. Adam was responsible to protect. He should have spoken up in, in that moment of deception. He should have stepped up. He should have led Eve to obey the command of God. But what happened? Adam, Adam was passive. He just went along and followed Eve's lead. Well, what about Abram and, and Sarai? We don't know what she was thinking. Scripture tells us clearly she struggled with, with being barren. She wondered how God would fulfill his promise. It's quite possible Satan was deceiving her. He was whispering in her ear, planting doubt in her heart and in her mind, maybe telling her God doesn't really care, maybe telling her you can't trust his promise, maybe saying to her, look, it's been 10 years and you still have no child. But Abram was the one that God had called. Abram was the one to whom God gave the promise. And God confirmed the promise in pretty dramatic fashion in what we looked at last week in chapter 15. Abram was the head of, of the household. The direction of their lives and their future rested entirely on his leadership. When Sarai suggested her plan, he should have spoken up. He should have reminded her of the promise of God. He should have refused to go along and be a part of her plan. But what? He was passive. And he went along, and he followed her lead. Now, men, I won't belabor the point, but there's an obvious pattern and application here. We are called to lead, and when we fail, it is quite messy. Verse 4 and 5, chapter 16, moving on. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. 
I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Men, anytime your wife says something radical, something unlike her, something even suspicious, you do know you need to question if she really means it, right? You guys know that? Is that really what she wants? Is she really encouraging you to do that? I, I can't even think of a situation we can equate to this, but, but let me just throw a simple one out. Let's suppose you're, you're fairly newly married and, and, and you have three children, maybe a baby and two toddlers, and, and you come in on a Thursday from work and your wife says, hey, honey, I know how hard you work and I know it's hard to come home to a, a tired wife and needy children, so sweetie, I'd like you to take the next three days and go off on a fun hunting trip with your buddies. If you do that, don't come to me for marital counseling. I'm just going to laugh at you. Listen, your wife does not mean what she's saying. I'm not saying she's lying, being deceptive, trying to trap you. You need to understand in those moments that your wife is out of her mind. Those kids have damaged her brain. She doesn't mean it. Don't listen to her. You see what happened here? Abram follows through on what Sarai has suggested. Now it's getting messy. And what does she tell Abram? This is all your fault. It was her idea, but it's his fault. And gentlemen, in that moment, you can forget, forget thinking or even saying out loud, well, you said. Poor Abram. Hey, can I just ask, I'm sure there aren't many, but are there any women in the room that feel sorry for Abram at this point? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, the guy had bad judgment, but he was just trying to make his wife happy. And look where we are now. He's got one wife who's pregnant and another wife on the other end of the spectrum. Ain't nobody happy. I wish you could see my notes. Nobody is in all caps, read, highlighted, and underlined three times. Nobody's happy. I was going to say... What Abram was dealing with was a female hot house of emotion, but one of the ladies told me not to say that, so I, I won't say that. <laughs> you know, they lived in tents, right? Tents. It was intense, but they lived in tents. You, you can't hide. Abram can't get away. Not only that, can you imagine some of the words that were exchanged that are not in Scripture? Hey, when you were newly married, did you live in one of those apartments that had paper-thin walls and you tried to have quiet disagreements? Not an option. A tent of tranquility became a tent of terror for Abram. And everybody knew what was going on. The 318 men that, that followed him into battle to deliver Lot, you imagine what those guys were saying? Dude, man, listen, I'd, I'd follow Abram into battle any day. I would never go to him for marital advice. Okay, I better get off that. Um, verse 6. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Well, we, we've got a lot to do today, so let me, let me summarize the rest of the story. You've got the gist of it. Here in verse 6, Abram does the only thing he knows to do. It's probably what I would have done, probably what most of the men in this room would have done. I, you know, I'm not about to get in the middle of two emotionally charged women. I ain't doing it. 
The safe answer is what he said. You just do whatever you think, whatever you want to do. That's what every man would say, but it's still not the right answer. Abram is responsible for Hagar and the baby, but he takes the passive way out. He hands the problem off off to Sarai. And the scripture tells us here in this chapter that Sarai deals with Hagar harshly. She runs away. The Lord comes to her in her distress. He promises to care for her. He promises to make her descendants, the descendants of Ishmael, a great nation as well. And it just sounds like a wonderful, happy ending, but, but remember, the Jewish and Arab conflict that we see today began as a result of, the, of an act of the flesh on the part of Abram because he didn't wait on God. There's always consequences to sin. There's always complications when we don't submit to God's plan and when we try to take matters in our own hands. Well, let's end on a, on a high note. Verse 13, the Lord has come to Hagar. He's promised to care for her. And she says to the Lord, you are the God who sees me and looks after me. And that's the same God we worship and the same God we follow today. The God who sees us and cares for us and looks after us. In spite of the mess that Abram and Sarai made, God was not through with them. He's still going to fulfill the promise through Abram, through his line. And he's even taking care of the messes that were made along the way. Would you bow with me this morning? Let's take just a few moments before we move on into our time of meeting the need, and let's just reflect on the few words of Scripture we've looked at this morning. I don't know where you are in your walk, in your journey, but the Lord certainly knows, and He knows the word that you might need. God sees and God cares. We just need to trust him and and to wait on him. You may be in the middle of an impossible situation right now. And it may be tempting to seek the counsel of men to, and the counsel of men is fine if it lines up with scripture. It may be tempting to try to figure your own way out, but would you just say to the Lord, Lord, I know that you see and, and you care. Would you help me to trust you and to wait on you? Maybe you're in a position where you have some significant decisions to make. Would you be sure that you're seeking the Lord's counsel? Remember that God's word has precedence. You you should not do anything, make any decision that goes against the word of God. Hey, men, I don't want to beat up on you today, but boy, what an example of what happens when we fail to lead. When we're not trusting God, when we're not following, knowing, following, and obeying his word. What a mess. If you're a husband and you're a father, you're, you're the head. You're accountable before God to lead, to protect, to provide spiritually, not just physically, financially. Where are you today? What, what has the Holy Spirit of God said to you? How do you need to respond? You may be here this morning, your life is kind of a mess and you recognize you really can't count on God or call on God because you have no relationship with him. Maybe he brought you here today just for you to hear about how much he loves and cares for you, so much so that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross and pay for your sins so that you could have relationship with him. We finish this time in the Word, we're going into a special time where we're going to be meeting needs in the body. But when the service is concluded, 
I'll be down here at the front. We'll have pastors out in the, uh, in the lobby area over by the banner that says next steps. If you're here this morning and you need to discover what it means to have a relationship with Christ, if you're here this morning and maybe you know Christ, but you're not connected to a local body, which God calls you to be, you're here this morning, you, you just need some counsel from scripture, you need a word of prayer, that's what we're here for. And so I hope you'll take advantage of the opportunity before you leave today to take that next step in relation with Christ. Father, I pray that you would take this simple message this morning and apply it to everyone in this room at their point of need. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak the truth into our hearts and lives even as we leave this place, that we might be more and more the people that you've called us to be, that we might be lights in a world of darkness. But we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.